All right, we're going to pick up right where we left off in part one. Sorry it's a day late. I was busy last night and didn't have a chance to post it, so that's my bad. My fault. Totally on me. Still, we're back. Part two. Follow us at anotherweekwith.com. YouTube for content. Got a new video coming out after this as well. So enjoy it. Here you go. Well, you know what's interesting, too? The biggest thing, I think, in partisan politics that has happened this week is regarding Obama. Not even Joe Biden. Obama. He said a couple of things. One, he said the uh, – what did he say? Just vote? Was that his one-word tweet? He said something like that. And then and then recently, it was either yesterday or today or the day before. It was late this week. He said uh, so many of the folks in charge don't know what they're doing, more or less. And, and, you know, he's taking a shot, veiled, a thinly veiled shot at, at the current administration and people are losing their minds over it. But 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 again, it's not it's not Joe Biden. He's he's not doing anything to get his name out there. He's not doing anything to, to make a to, to move the needle. I mean, he tried to start a podcast and it was unlistenable. He's so old. He can't get a sound. He, he can't speak is the problem. He has to have sound bites that are like prepared. Anytime he goes off the cuff, it's a mess. Bad. It's bad. When he goes off the cuff, it does not come off so well at all. <laughs> so it's really, really hard right now when like anything that you like what Obama did was off the cuff shit that got people talking. But, it, you know, it's not necessarily quite off the cuff. He's still he's still, no. you know, he's, a, a game. He's still gaming it. He's thinking a couple yeah, moves. One, Biden's not capable of thinking a couple moves ahead. Two, it's not like it's a stage interview where the questions are were run through the Obama staff and he's ready for them. Like he's right. he's ready for the tweet, but it's not going to be broadcast to everyone in a setting that he knows is safe. Like he's just yeah. kind of throwing it out there. Yeah, he's thinking about it and his team's like sends out the vote tweet, and I'm sure he's just probably pissed off as hell right now. Well, Everything that he. Yeah. Everything that he built up is just getting ruined by Trump and torn apart. And now his name, now Obama's, or now Trump's just dragging, Ob- dragging Obama's name through the mud, just essentially to take off the heat from himself. And Obama's probably just like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, he's been pretty quiet the whole time as yeah. like presidents. Like, it's kind of the, I guess, the class of the outgoing president to kind of keep out of the news and in the political way. It's just kind of like how the history has been for the most part. Like, they haven't really spoken out a lot about a lot of things. I think he's just fed up and just like, fuck it. Like I'm going to go out and say what I think. And I think it's a lot of times because presidents realize it's, it's, it's you, you get a certain amount of time to be in charge. You're voted in. And once that's done, you're, you're, you know, you're not in charge and he's quiet by choice. It's a, you know, a personal choice as much as historical precedent dictates that that's the path that's been done before. You still have to make that choice and he's done it. But at a certain point, you get to you get to that breaking point where it's, mm-hmm. oh, my God, this is so bad. I need to say something. And, you know, to his benefit, he gets to pick and choose his battles and kind of strike whenever he sees fit. So when he does say something, he probably does it to the maximum effect. Yeah. But still, it, it speaks volumes when he does feel the need to say something. You know, shit's kind of going on when whenever any ex-president gets involved in current day politics, you know, it's got to be a big deal and it's worth listening to. It's. It's crazy to me that Obama now is only 58 years old. And when he was running, he was going against McCain, who I think was yeah. like 66 when he was running somewhere around there. Was he? Um, Man, he seemed, he seemed older than that to me. 
That's funny. But I, yeah, but and people were saying that Obama was too young and McCain was too old in those times, and it seemed like largely politics were going younger and younger and like presidents it's like all right like maybe having a 75 year old in office like he might not be with the times and might not really know what's going on as well as someone who's younger and more with it um and now we have joe biden who is in his 70s older than mccain would have been and also trump both of them are going to be the oldest president when biden's 77 77 that's so old. That's so, so old. How old's Bernie? He's like the same age as Bernie, right? Yeah, but at least Bernie has life to him. Yeah, but Bernie looks Bernie hasn't Bernie hasn't done endless amount of works to his face done. That's the thing. Bernie hasn't had ten thousand hair plugs put in. Right, right. That's fact. Like that's the thing. McCain would be now he'd be in his I think he'd be eighty four right now okay. but he's dead now so it doesn't matter but uh, he was in his 70s when he was running but still yeah. but biden's older and trump's older and people were saying that mccain was too old then and now that that talk's just gone away right like i think I there's no choice at this point it doesn't make a difference why are we still promoting old white guys who who is probably outside of like fucking like racist hillbillies who are probably like the least capable people in the world. It's in general, the elderly. So there's, there's clearly a line of demarcation, right? At some point where you have to mark, you know, there's a certain point where experience and age, you know, they reach their peak. And then at the, after a certain point, the, the, the age is just overwhelming to the experience. You know, when do you think that is mid sixties? I'd say mid sixties are probably a pretty fair uh, sixty five ish. Yeah, and then you just start getting too old, and you start losing it mentally. You're not as sharp. Right. You're not as with the young people. I mean, when you're getting to the point, I mean, when you're when you're seventy, I would say probably like eighty percent of people in the world are younger than you, or in your in your jurisdiction oh, yeah. for the most part. Believe. Gotta believe. And what do you think the difference is in your life experiences that you're going to be more qualified from when you're 65 to when you're 77? Well, and a lot of those life experiences are in a lot of those life experiences are in an age that's gone. Like anything that happened in the 40s that fucking Biden remembers, like that doesn't really matter now. Like at least like the day to day shit. Like there's always like those historical contexts. Like maybe don't invade other countries because it doesn't really work out or don't try and start a coup. There's some of those things that happen all the time that it's just like, Oh, history has shown us this doesn't really work. And it just kind of backfires. We think it's a good idea at the time, but and that's like, like said, anyone yeah. could figure that out. You just look yes. at a fucking history book and yes. it's like, Oh, all right, yes. don't do this. Yes. Like that's, that's, it doesn't take any sort of like easily there and doing that. Yeah. Like it's you, pretty you easy to tell around or read some, some, high-end history books you're gonna figure it out and i think you want your person in power to be sharp i mean look at trudeau like he still goes on runs he's still sharp people like him because he's relatable like i don't want to have to be voting for someone that's so unrelatable i wouldn't ever want to spend time with them yeah but trudeau has gotten himself in a lot of shit as well multiple incidents of blackface and and stuff like that you know he's got his own problems going on 
Going blackface is always a bad idea. That's yeah, bad, man. Bad. Why are you doing that? <laughs> don't do it. Uh, don't don't go blackface. Just no. just don't. When it's still wild that like I mean, Biden was alive in the time and then like blackface people like white people dressing up in blackface to play black characters was a thing. Right. And it wasn't bad. It was just like, oh, yeah, that's just how it is. Right. It's crazy. It's a totally different life. Totally different life through and through. Kind of on that note, though, um, in a totally different way. And I'll preface this by saying we're both white and it's very difficult for us to speak on this topic. Um, I don't want to sound ignorant. I don't want to sound racist in any way. But the NFL, um, now nothing's been passed yet. I should also say that. Um, but the NFL has some votes going in uh, proposed to the Rooney rule to change it that includes draft pick incentives for hiring minorities. And, jeez. Uh, well, do you have any early thoughts? And I, Or I can just go over the bullet points of it? Uh, n- no, basically, I mean, you hit the main bullet point is that the NFL is offering draft pick, draft compensation for hiring minority coaches. The current rule, right, as it is, is that there's a certain, you have to interview X amount of minority coaches for any opening. Well, right now, it's just one for any coaching yeah, or senior head front head office head. position. Okay. Um, even Anthony Lynn, who is the coach of the Chargers, who yeah. is black, he said his quote was sometimes you can do the wrong thing while trying to do the right thing. So even he would yeah. sit, read between the lines. It's fairly obvious. He's saying this is wrong. This is dumb. Obviously their hearts or heads are in the right place, but not, they didn't quite nail it. Well, that um, ultimately ends up happening with the Rooney rule as it is now. They just interview a minority just to get right, it out of the way. Just, I mean, the box, just to check the yeah. box. So that's not a perfect rule either. No, but it doesn't make any idea. If you look at the facts right now, I think two coaches, there's two African-American head coaches in the NFL out of 30. I think there's three, three Flores, Lynn and Tomlin. You're right. You're right. Okay. Three out of 32 teams. That's 9%, which is under, you know, no relatively statistical significance percentage under the national percentage of the U.S. population breakdown. Not that that's right. necessarily a clear-cut way to do it. but well, I think it's a pretty fair way of doing it. Right? But I think it's also, at least a reasonable benchmark. So it's Let's not- extrapolate that into the percentage of minorities as players versus the percentage right. of minorities right. as so coaches. That's, that's, that's where it becomes even too. more stark. Hugely disparate. And so, you, yeah, exactly. So you're going to tell me – what that the, these players that are that are winning these championships and making all these plays and out there on the field every Sunday don't know what they're doing? They're just blindly following the rules. That's bullshit. Get out of here. Of course they know what they're doing. You have to be very very smart to be successful in the NFL. And I think there's a certain percentage of them that make their money and don't want to have to deal with the grind anymore. Right. Um, which would be like your, I mean, Deion Sanders would be an example of that, where he just went into TV because he was just like, well, I. I would assume it's just like he sees what the job of a coach is and is like, well, fuck that shit. Like, I don't want to do that. I've, I've done that. I've played for 15 years, whatever, however long his career was. Right. But there's also a lot of guys and a lot of a lot of coaches come up this way where they might have played in high school or only college. And then, 
you know, they're not good enough or they get hurt or whatever. And they just want to keep at the game and stay in coaching. That's, it just seems like. That's what I think a lot of times makes the, the, the a lot of the better coaches, at least that we've seen, are guys that aren't tremendous players, are yeah. guys that that's, yeah, still have that hunger that want to reach that top level and never quite made it physically, athletically, yeah. but still want to do it. That's fine. They might just be better talent evaluators too because they can really see what the good talent is. I mean, the example of that would be Michael Jordan running the Hornets. I mean, he knows – how to win basketball. And even look at, look at whatever, look at, well, look at when the Knicks hired Jason Kidd, his first year out oh of retiring, how dumb or, or whoever the fuck hired the nets. It just, it just doesn't quite work. Derek Fisher, the Knicks hired Derek Fisher quite quickly out of retirement. It's, it's, it's a hard thing. You got to learn coaching, right? You need to spend some time coach. It's different from being a player to being a coach. Yeah. I would think there's especially not especially a head coach. I mean, especially a head coach. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. You have players, you have coaches like, like Patrick Ewing was a tremendous basketball player. He was an assistant in the NBA for years and finally got a head coaching job in college. You know, it just yeah. takes time to, to, to learn the craft and understand the nuances of it. But look at Isaiah think, Thomas, Isaiah Thomas never figured it out. No, he was always a bad GM or team leader, wherever he was. Anything he tried. Always terrible. Yeah. Uh, Now, I guess as it relates to the Rooney rule, I don't know. I guess it's kind of twofold. One, I think you have who's running these teams is more old, crusty whiteies out there. It's pretty much all old white guys and the con guy in uh, Jacksonville. Yeah, the con guy. Like legitimate mustache. What a mustache. What an impressive mustache. We talked about yeah. NFL mustaches last week, and that guy has one too. Look look up uh look up Khan's mustache. It's it's quite impressive. I can curl my mustache at this point of quarantine. I can do it. Well, he's definitely got you beat on the curl. Oh, he's got me beat by a country mile, but I'm 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 you know, I'm making progress. You're getting there. You're getting there. You're making making moves. Um but yeah, I they need to have there should be more minority coaches. And that doesn't start as a head coach right away. That starts on the oh, grassroots. What happens? Yeah, what what do you think happens in the interview process or or what is the breakdown? Like who's the who's the oh, I think he's the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. I forget his name. Bull, bull something. Uh he obviously they won the Super Bowl. He's a tremendous offensive. He works under Andy Reid, who's also a tremendous tremendous offensive mind. But Eric Benenemy, yeah, yes, Benenemy, Benenemy, I think is his name or some shit like that. Yeah. He, everyone kind of was saying he's a favorite. He's a favorite to be a head coach in Canada. I think he got like really few, really not that many nibbles when it came down to yeah. it. Why is that? Like I, that's the stuff I don't get. If someone's especially qualified, considering Nagy got a job. Fucking uh, Peterson got a job. Filippo almost got a job despite like not doing a good job as an OC. But like all these other Andy guys who are white get these jobs, and then so, this guy can't. Like I don't. So what is? I, I don't mean, know what's what going is on the, in these interviews. Is broken, right? Something's not right that's going on. Is it just the ownership and the upper senior level management? There are, like we said, old crusty white guys that are just like oh, I don't trust this guy. Whatever that they're just fucking pricks. Maybe I'm sure that is definitely part of it. You know, that's, there's gotta be some, something going on, but offering draft compensation, I don't think is the best way to go about it. What it does then is incentivize you maybe to hire someone who's not the most qualified. 
Yeah. Or, it, just, yeah. or just hire, like they might just, I don't know, add extra coaches or something. I mean, right. It's interesting. I guess overall net their heads in the right place. They're, they're trying, trying to get to more. Something. Yeah. They're trying to stir up something. I don't know. I don't know. What can they do? They, back, you try to, to the, I think this goes back to the corporation talk that we had earlier about like, they just want to make money. Also, they want to get good PR too sometimes, and they make moves that are just strictly good PR moves. And I think that might be a little bit what's happening here. Because they want to do something or whatever it is, maybe. Yeah, I don't think this will ultimately get voted through, but it's it's an interesting idea. It's worth talking about. I just don't. I don't think draft picks is the right way to do it. I think that unnecessarily penalizes other teams that well might just have their coaching staff in place. Or if you already have a black head coach, you just get a free first round pick. I mean, like there's, it's hard. I don't know. Again, it's hard. It's a hard, I mean, it's not something to say. What what they could try to do, not that they really have much say in this either is promote a more diverse ownership or senior executive staff. Right. Well, I think, because I think I actually, I think what it actually trickles down to is a large part of the problem is early on coaching jobs. You get paid maybe nothing if you're like a graduate assistant in a college or like an intern, like Matt Nagy interned with Andy Reid and was unpaid. Um, he was able to do that because he had a family that was able to support him. I think a lot of these players that are really good or maybe would be really good or got hurt or just don't make it, whatever happens, but could be really good coaches. Like they're not really afforded the opportunity to work for no money and get, yeah, earn their stripes. Very few people can pull that off. And then that's, that's, it's and a systemic people problem. Are unfortunate. Right? It's, yeah. yeah. It's a systemic so it problem that's like, in a, all of America. In a weird way, it goes to like kind of paying college athletes and then also paying unpaid coaches in a weird way. I think that would, I think that's more of the, that's the source of the issue. I think is any job that's full time, that's unpaid is hard to justify at this point. I mean, look at look, what was that movie? Will Smith was billion dollar industry. How can you justify that? Yeah, we're not going to pay you. You can work here though. <laughs> because they can't because people because, take the job. People are lining up to do it. That's why yeah, they that's, can do it. That's it's still thing. not justifiable to me. I mean, what's that movie that Will Smith was in pursuit of happiness. He had, I mean, he was the Afro-American guy who had to take that unpaid internship while having a kid and li- like, like most people can't do that. Like it's a, that was a movie. It was inspirational and shit, but like, that's not really realistic in for most people. I'm sure it's happened before. I think that was based off a true story, yeah. but that's why they made it's a still movie sad. Yeah. That's why they um, what a story. Yeah. What a story. Will Smith. Um, has yeah, he done anything on, recently? It, it is based on. He's pretty busy on Snapchat. I don't know what he's doing though. He made that one movie. I think a couple, a couple of his latest movies have been shit. Yeah, he's just getting kind of older. I mean, what he's in? He was born in '68, so that makes him in his fifties. Kind of an old old guy movie. You just start making more. I, not that I'm saying he's specifically done it, but a lot of old guys they make more family friendly movies as as they get older. Yeah. Well, it's like you know, the uh, what's funny. Like Adam Sandler. Adam yeah. Sandler's hitting well, though. I love Adam Sandler. I love a lot of his movies that people shit on. I was actually talking about this yesterday with some people. Uh, it's not new, new, but it's still new from this pe- decade. New. That's my boy. I fucking love that movie. A lot of people hated it. I that's great Adam Sandler content for me. Uh, I've it. never seen it. I'm sure oh, it's garbage. 
Oh, it is hysteria. It is a winner. A winner. Let's see what it's from. It, it, let's, okay. Rotten Tomatoes, 20%. That means nothing to me. It's from 2012. It's from 2012. For reference, you like Super Troopers? Of course you like Super Troopers. Yeah, Super Troopers is great. My favorite movie. That's your, well, okay. that's a very, that's a solid movie. I like Super Troopers a lot. Uh, just for a frame of reference, I'm going to give you the Rotten Tomatoes score for Super Troopers. 35 was the, to- the the critic score that's Bullshit. the critic yeah that's true it's all that's, i think it's, what you just get well, the okay rock. okay okay what did the public rate those two movies 90 percent for super troopers 90 percent okay let's see uh that's my 20 percent critics 51 percent audience still that's better still, than half that's better that's better. okay okay but no, no no it's good man it's good I, you'll like I might, it. I might give it a shot you gotta give it a shot. Text text me that later to remind me. Dude, Donnie Berger, you gotta watch it. <laughs> gotta watch it. Um all right. Any anything else going on in the world of Rob? Anything else you want you got kicking around in that old noggin up there? Oh, there's always something. Yeah, let me see. Uh so here was there was a fun little story I came across. Um there was a guy I told you, I, I, it's like kind of two things tied together under one main umbrella. Yeah, you, you sent me this picture and this this people. It, it's an impressive picture. Yeah, so so this story is basically the theme would be people that are bored out of their minds during quarantine, and this picture is a dude who transformed his backyard shed during quarantine with nothing to do, stuck at home, into a fully stocked pub. I would and it has let me let me jump in real quick. Yeah. He he didn't transform it into a fully stocked pub. He formed, transformed it into the greatest speakeasy of all time. Just look at the stock. If you look at the photos, post the link to this article. We'll post the, we'll post the links on uh, yeah. in the description of the podcast and stuff. We talked about that today, and I'll uh, we'll try and get on social more with that stuff. But yeah, he's got he's got a name for the bar, the the miter. He's got everything. He's got a kick ass oh, wow, sign for it. He's got a karaoke machine with a screen and everything. The stock it's in this bar fully is insane. Holy stock. Yeah. It's madness. I love it. That's that's what you should be doing, you know, during quarantine. And that brings up for me two things. One, you have been during quarantine brewing your own beer, have you not? I have. I have. And how's it going? Give us a little update here. Uh, it's going well. So the first beer I made during quarantine was a kit that I got from Northern Brewer. Um, and it was just, uh, it was called like moose slobber. It was just a brown ale and it came out fine. Um, the issue was it, the issue with it is that I broke a piece, um, in the brewing process and it just made it so that the hops and Yale or hop hops and yeast got into the, uh, bottles, which just got to filter out a little bit or deal with. I mean, it's not really a big deal. It doesn't affect the beer overall, just kind of adds a little texture, so you can just Bottom filter line. it out before you pour it in. Um, and it tasted shit. good. Don't I mean, it was the brewing process, Matt. Don't right. break shit. Main lesson. <laughs> and it tastes it tasted good. I mean, it was it tastes like a solid beer. It definitely gets you a little buzzed. Um, I don't know exactly what the alcohol is, but I assume it's around a five or five or six percent. Um, so yeah, that one was just straight off a recipe. Didn't really have any thought in, just kind of following a recipe. The next one I did, I went on the internet and just bought some grains, bought some malt, bought some hops. And I'm creating a, uh, my idea was to go with like a dark beer with a nice, I like malt. So I have a nice malty 
side to it, but I like a little bit lighter yeast and stuff. I like those ales. So I combined the two. Um, so I have in the beer is 118 grams of English black grains. And mind you, it's only a gallon size for those of you who are in five gallons and stuff. Only a gallon. 118 grams of English black grains in the wort, 1.5 pounds of dark malt extract syrup. And then I hopped it with eight grams of German Hallertau hops, which are more common with lagers, and four grams of Newport hops, which are more common with ales. And I finished it with a West Coast ale yeast. Um, it's currently fermenting. The first couple days of fermenting, the fucking yeast was going crazy on the sugars in there. And it was like overflowing with the carbon dioxide. I had to clean it out a couple of times. It was good. I mean, it's, it's creating some fucking alcohol in there. Um, so I'm excited about that. I mean, it's still a couple weeks away. My next beer I'm going to make, I'm planning a, uh, a banana, a banana bread, uh, beer where I'm just going to, I'm going to put fresh bananas in the wart. I'm going to put some, I'm debate. I was doing some reading today and I'm debating putting a nut extract or actually crushed walnuts in with the wart as well. So I haven't really determined that one yet. I have a couple weeks to kind of mull it over, but, uh, yeah, it's going well. Um, I'll uh, that, that, I'll that, figure out a way to send you one of one of the others. Please I, do. I would love that. Not the one that I need to filter. I don't want to do any extra work. But uh, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm past passion, that point. I'm past that point. Your passion is very, very clear in this, and I'm excited about that for you. That was way more fucking detail than I anticipated. Nobody knows what 118 grams of XYZ means compared to a gallon. Nobody gets that reference on people do. People, there's a lot of people make, unless it's anyone actually the makes fuck beer. Up. There's a lot of people in the brewing nope, community. Get, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. You're an ignorant little fuck. In you probably like the NFL have only white coaches. How, how, how many? How many of our listeners, percentage-wise, do you think are actively involved in the brewing community? Zero. My guess would well, be zero. I mean, that's <laughs> that's. That goes on yeah. to the, the fact yeah. that we need more promotion. Detail. We need more promotion, and it my starts with posting. It starts your passion, with your passion is highly appreciated. I'm I'm excited that you're so excited about it. I want to try some of it. Too much detail. <laughs> right. Well, I'm sorry. We got well. Fuck you. Okay. Am, here's, here's you asked the question. Here's a fun. Here's a fun thing that I determined this week while I was very bored during quarantine. I had my ears pierced in college. I think you'll remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I hadn't worn them since college because I got a job and then I stopped wearing them. I was so bored. I stumbled across some of my girlfriend's earrings and I was like, I fucking wonder. I had my left earring ear pierced first for like a year prior to me getting the right one pierced. So I was like, maybe uh-huh. I get the left. Maybe I get the left one. Uh, I got the left one in like fucking butter. No problem. Try. I, I couldn't even find the right one, but I, then I just grabbed the earring, started fishing around. Boom. In like butter again. Money. Really? I'm going to be a weekend. I'm a quarantineering guy now. Quarantine guy. You got me my earrings back. Very excited. I kind of like it. I kind of like I it. It's a little bit, of a, little bit of a 90s, 2000 move, but I respect it. How are your hair pills going? Give Good. us an update on that. Um, so I've Obviously, got no notable difference yet. No noticeable difference. Still too early to tell. Um, I have still full function of the wiener. I've tested it out. So that's, that's big. That's big. That is big. Full function. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going well. There's a couple of different things I do. I have a shampoo, I have a conditioner. I have this, I have a pill I take once a day and I have this, uh, 
like little, I don't know, like stuff that I put directly on the scalp twice a day, nice. morning and night. So big, big. Hopefully keep us updated. All us balding men need to know. Yeah. I mean, really the only note that I can say is that all the doctors say, I mean, you can't regrow what's fully gone. Um, some of the follicles in your head will be unactive and you can kind of wake them up with these things that I'm doing. So that's really what I'm trying is it's staving off the inevitable. And if you do this, you can potentially do that. And I mean, a lot of people have had success. I mean, the, these drugs aren't new. It's the way that they're able to get them is new where you don't have to have for, like, I have a prescription, but I was able to get it on the internet um, by answering some questions online. Um, you'd have to before go into a bunch of doctors and do a bunch of shit and tests and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, a lot of people have had success with these same drugs that I'm taking and have had hair for essentially the rest of their lives. So I'm excited to uh, maybe not go bald. Big, big news, big news. My big girlfriend's news. very confused as to why I'm doing it all of a sudden. And I feel bad because I've been gone. I mean, being that it's quarantine, this sounds weird, but I've been gone a lot recently. I mean, I've, I have two jobs. I work for a company full time and then I work at a brewery as well. And I work there typically once every other week, but the last couple of weeks I've been there more often because they've, I mean, with everything that's going on, it's been fucking crazy over there. Um, there's a lot more labor involved with what they have to do to stay open. Um, right. So I've been to, working to, more to there. Beer, and on top of that, golf has also opened up again. So I've been golfing. Nice. So I have like not been home a lot and I've been trying to uh, regrow hair. So I don't think it's a great look for the girlfriend. I think she, uh, <laughs> but I'm, yeah. So when the hair is back, she'll get it. She'll get it. She'll get it. Back. She'll get it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anything good. else, Rob? That's about all I had for today. Oh, um, I'm good. Next week, we're going to start an expose on a Venezuelan story that I just found about today. We couldn't get into it because we just, we tried to, we th- I thought about it. Um, there's, there's too much going on in the story. Too so we're, it's too deep. It's too deep. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to do some deep reading on this and get into uh, this crazy Venezuelan story that the media is not picking up as much as it should. Um, thank you to our sponsors, which there are none of this week. So fuck yeah, you thanks. guys. Thanks. Dicks. Fucking assholes. After we, Gave the greatest ad read of all time, clearly. Um, but yeah. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk again next week. Follow us on Twitter at Another Week With, on YouTube, Another Week With's YouTube page, Facebook. I don't really fuck with Facebook too much, but I post up there every once in a while. And uh, Rob, feel free to post whenever you want. Will do. I love it. All right. We'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>